you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Live on Four Legs Pod. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring Mr. Stone Gossett. Fucking camera in the truck. Everybody now, welcome to Live on Four Legs, the definitive live Pearl Jam podcast, and this is episode number 120. All right, we did it. We got to another semi-milestone, I suppose. But if you've been tuning in for all 120 episodes, or maybe just one or two, welcome back. If you've never tuned into the show before, welcome. We are a podcast that talks primarily about Pearl Jam and their live catalog, so we'll go all over the map from their whole entire live history from years like today, 1993, the Versus era. Last week, we did 1998. Before that, 2008. We've gone all over. We've done just about every year, pretty much every year to the date, and uh, it's just been a fun ride for all of these episodes that we've been a part of. Let's talk more rock. Let's get into this. Randy Sobel over here, John Farrar over there. Hello. Hi. Uh, 1993, huh? Love it. This is more meaningful to you than it is to me because I was about six years old in 1993, <laughs> so I wasn't really listening to Pearl Jam much at the time. So what's your, like, this era to you, what's this mean when we, we go back and, and touch up on this? Yeah, 93, like, they were they were just in, they were in flux. They were changing. You know, like, the, the 10 era was over, and they were figuring out who they were going to be and who they were going to become. And, like, you would get, I just remember the anticipation of getting, like, oh, there's going to be a new album. Oh, there's this new song. Like, you were just hungry for every little thing because here's this band that was different than everything that you'd heard before. They played a new song at the VMAs, and, like, that was a big deal. You get, like, the all these magazine covers, and, like, you look back on it now, and obviously they hated that stuff we didn't know, but, you know, me being 15, it was like, yeah, I want to read everything, and, like, I think the Cameron Crowe article had just come out before this in Rolling Stone, that was a big deal. I mean, you you look at it from the fan perspective, and you're like, yeah, give me, give me everything. I want to know everything about it, but you kind of come to realize from their perspective it was kind of tearing them apart, and, like, it wasn't, this wasn't a great time for them. Like, yeah, they were, they were trying to figure out how to maintain just what they had and like you know we we can talk about that you know the the article the reaction that they had when uh 
when they they found out that Versus had sold a million copies in one week. And yeah, it's just it's just a strange time. But the, as far as like all that stuff is is peripheral to the music. Like the, they were just a time bomb on stage. Like they, they they're just ferocious. And yeah, the show we're covering today is is one of you know we we've covered one of these before. We did the Vault show. And yeah, we're we're gonna have to do all three of them because these are these are fantastic hometown shows. We're yeah, we're back in Seattle. We are. Yep, Seattle hometown series that we've been doing the whole entire year. We've kind of been doing them chronologically. The last time we did Drop in the Park and we did Mural Amphitheater. So obviously now this is the the most applicable to the shows that we can do because there was some Seattle shows before this. And there's one that we know some information of. There's one that we know almost no information of. Um, and one it happened in September of 1993 where they played at a club called The Rendezvous. And that was after a day show in Vancouver. And there's absolutely no information about that anywhere. That's just, it could be anything from a hearsay thing to hey we saw them play or maybe it was just ed and stone or not a full band situation but it has been reported that they played there that day then there was a show on october 25th right before versus came out on the 26th they played a secret show at the off-ramp, which is obviously only 300 people. We've talked about that before, such a small venue. And they've kept these hometown shows. It, it feels like they've wanted to keep a lot, of, and we'll get into that in a second, and a lot of this show, what this show is, it kind of tailors the future for what Seattle shows would become in the next handful of years. But the 93 show that they did, off-ramp, it was only for secret fan club members or, or friends. And I guess it was just to get a couple of the verses songs just kind of under their belt and, and get them played and, and get them loose, loosened up and warmed up with it. Yeah. That's a, that's a standard thing that bands do. Yeah. You play like a little show before you go on a big tour, kind of just get the, get the nerves out, get the, get the rust out and get at it. So you have to think how many tours have they finished off in Seattle? So many. We can go through all of them if if we had time. Uh, from anything from in 2006 when they finished off in the Gorge, I'm going to count that as Seattle and kind of being hometown. It's home state, so that's enough. Uh, 2013, I believe they ended at Key Arena. Oh, 2000, of course. They you know, go. very big show. So this is this kind of has started a trend from going throughout the whole entire country or or throughout the world and then ending your last dates in Seattle and kind of making it a celebration of the hometown. There was a three show stretch here, as we mentioned. So it was kind of a, you know, a celebration of 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 that. There are things that happened at this show and there's kind of there's kind of this feel once they happen that the band just got deflated and they felt a sense of like what the fuck is going on here what are we doing and they were having fun at first and then the fun just kind of ended it kind of stopped and it, you kind of you see sort of a lack of of interest coming from them and that could just be what i took out of it that might hmm. not be what everybody takes out of it okay but there is a point where it gets to that you know, two things that, that happen. And these are not things that have been talked about in sort of the historic lore of Pearl Jam. These, this is 
I don't know when this video was posted, but this is a video that's been posted to YouTube in, you know, the last handful of years, probably. This was not really a boot that got circulated around, at least not in the era of Five Horizons two feet thick, because there's no there's no write up about this. There's no nothing from from that era. Everything that we have is from the show that we have it now. So. Yeah, so we'll we'll get into that stuff, and look, maybe I'm proven wrong, maybe I'm not, but I, I think there is something to this. So let's move forward. Let's move forward a little bit. Um, the Versus Tour, obviously it's kind of wild at, at, at moments, and obviously they're getting through the whole fame thing. Let's talk about that quote. You kind of mentioned it before. After a week that the album came out, they were told that they had a million copies sold and their reaction really wasn't the same reaction that most bands would have if you would sell, if they sold a million copies in less than a week. So this is from uh, Tim Bierman. If everyone will turn to page 119 in their PJ 20 books, you can read along it says, uh, Tim says, I was just starting to hang out with Jeff and the band. We were on our way to the show at the Warfield Theater in San Francisco. Eddie wasn't there, but every, everybody else was. They were stressed out already, and Kelly seemed kind of nervous. He told the guys they'd sold one million copies of Versus in the first week. I was expecting everybody to jump up and congratulate each other, but instead they just stared out into the street. I was really confused. I was thinking, all of a sudden they may be the biggest band in the world, and they're scared by it. It made me watch the show with a different perspective, and that's kind of when I really got it. That's a, that's a handful to take in there. Like, obviously, we kind of know more now than we did back then. I think you alluded to that before. But, you know, the, they that kind of gets into their mindset of, of what, you know, what they were prepared for. And I think there's a quote right after that one in the book that Jeff said, we, we were scared of this. And we thought that yeah. this would gradually happen. And it just kind of sprung out on us. And if and you know you mentioned it too, I think there's a quote from the the last show, the the one on the ninth, where I think at the end he says, "Eklund says, oh, I guess we'll see you around town," and it's kind of like they, I think they were a little bit burned out, like from all the exposure, like we talked about that Time Magazine, Rolling Stone cover, VMAs, all that stuff going on. I think they were just looking forward to just going home and just living their lives for a little while. Yeah. Also like the feud that was going on with Nirmana, the quote unquote feud that was happening with the two bands that the media kind of had made almost something out of completely nothing. And there was supposed to be a new year's show and both bands were supposed to play Ed got sick and they backed out. Jeff and Stone showed up and played a little bit with Cypress Hill, but there was apparently some sort of interaction between Jeff and Courtney Love that was very uncomfortable for Jeff, where Courtney had asked him, well, aren't you supposed to be playing basketball or something? And that didn't really go well. Uh, but I, I don't, I, I'm not going to speculate on things. I won't speculate on whether they backed out for a reason. If, if he was sick, then he was sick. But like, I'm sure that they wanted nothing to do with that. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, we, we'll never know. 
so that was that was really the error right there and that's kind of everything that was going on with the band again like dealing with fame is the theme and we'll kind of hear it throughout this uh you know a little bit of sarcasm and a little bit of you know just kind of joking around about what was going on in the scene at the time will happen at this show so let's get right into it and the opener from the show is go and from from the youtube video we kind of get into it halfway but when you get into it you're like whoa what the what the hell's going on like it's already blasting in my ears like from the jump it's fast and furious Mike is the energetic one, but Mike is all over the place at this show. I was very pleasantly surprised with this. And then you get Jeff and Dave kind of jamming together at the end a little bit. And Dave is viciously fast on this song. Watching a lot of these guys and, and mostly the camera was on Dave. So you kind of got Dave's perspective, which is great, but you want to see everybody else's perspective too. Uh, they seem to be in a good mood from, from, from the, from the jump on this. And there is going to be a point where that's not the case as much anymore, but at least in the beginning, they were pretty on, on, on point with it and pretty happy to be back home. And we, we've talked about shows that begin with release and how that kind of sets a mood for the show. You could say the same thing for shows that start with go like that. There's a, there's a certain type of show that, that go is an opener for, and this is one of those. But yeah, they, I mean, they, they they look like feral dogs that have been let out of a cage. Yeah. Right. They were ready for this one. They were excited to be back in their hometown. Most of these shows going from uh, places in Texas and a lot of college places, too. So, yeah, most of these places and, and that's, you know, gravitating. The college kids are gravitating towards this as well. I think they're they're happy to be back home. They're happy to pl- play a place that they're comfortable in. And uh, from the, from the jump, they're definitely really uh, excited to be there. And right after Go, Ed gets into the sarcasm right away. We're the most popular band in the world, he says, as they get into Animal. You know, that that's what you got from him sometimes with this. And if he, I feel like when he's in his best mood at this time, he's doing that sort of thing. And he's joking around with the crowd. Yeah, I mean, that's they're obviously going to poke fun at themselves. You know, they're not a band that's come out and be like, hey, did you guys read our cover story in Rolling Stone and Time Magazine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, of course, that, that's not what you're going to get. They're they're going to try to knock themselves down a, a notch or two. So, yeah, the the most popular band in the world. <laughs> yeah, a little, a little sarcasm behind um, it. They never set out to be anything like that, and everything that happened was just happenstance. And it's it's funny because... 
We did have some conversations on our clubhouse conversation that we had last week, and most of them were about how popular they were back then and how that just didn't translate over time. And I think it was them that made sure it didn't translate, that they said, this is how we stay out of the spotlight. This is how we make it accessible to our people and not accessible to the entire world. And that's why when you think of 90s bands in a nutshell of, I guess, what the general population of, of music listeners, they don't put Pearl Jam in that kind of stratosphere of still staying around. You know, the, you think, okay, the Foo Fighters and Weezer and some of those other bands, that they've stuck around. A lot of people have just forgotten that Pearl Jam even exists, which is unfortunate, but that's more for us to love. So, uh, all right, Animal and Why Go here. And really, it's just, it's the energy. Ed's voice is full. There's a lot of space on the stage. I don't know if you noticed that, but like, there's a ton of room for all three of them, all four of them, I should say, with that included, uh, to just run around and kind of do their thing, shenanigans. And Ed is just kind of himself and, and exactly what you would expect from 1993. Yeah, an animal stone bouncing around like a madman. Ed like really stretches out that that clone line and why go? primal 1993 Ed scream which you love to hear and then you know Mike doing the solo behind the head great solo and why go yeah it's like just ferocious first three here right visceral voice furious pace that the songs are played good way to start this and right after Ed gets back on the mic and he kind of there's a little bit more interaction than you'd expect almost every other song or every two songs or so ed is at least addressing the audience so he mentions here he says it's better than on tv yeah it's almost like he asked he asked a question like he he was, he was again just oh that was that was that was better than mtv right you, you guys you'd rather go watch us on tv maybe Right. Little little, uh, little dig there. I like that. Yep, for sure. Yeah, that's that's kind of that's going to be intertwined in, in this the whole way through. We think, uh, and mentions he if this song is about you, I'm sorry. So you know from from the jump you have go animal why go and deep is kind of shifting the energy in a different way. But man, do you get that big scream in the beginning? happened in this uh ed he shoved the mic stand into the crowd and he says you almost took his head off you fucking asshole and i don't know who he's referring to i don't know if he's referring to the security guard i don't know if he's referring to another fan i don't know if he's referring to a crowd server this was really tough to kind of decipher here yeah if if the camera guy hadn't been so in love with dave a we might have gotten a better view but yeah it's it's hard to tell I gotta think he was either a security guard or a crowd surfer, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. It, and it kind of goes to show you the the the, and that's gonna be a theme in this as we go along as well. The the crowd is just unruly. 
this whole entire time. The, yeah. There are people that are coming on stage, and and there's just a lot going on that's sort of almost really difficult to maintain and really kind of difficult to follow. And Ed and all of them are very safety first type people. And you would have to think at, at points they would be fearing for people in the crowd safety and maybe their own. Yeah, I think, and Ed's always been like that. He's always been kind of the one, like, you know, everybody knows from the PJ 20 movie, like a the show where it changed and he was screaming right into that security guard after they were beating up that kid. He's always been kind of the one that's like, Hey man, like we're cool. Like if you if you can be cool, you can do your thing. Right. But if but if you're gonna like when we we talked about that that show in was it Singapore or, or the Philippines where the he got came on and got tackled during even flow yep. in '95. Mm-hmm. Sometimes stuff like that happens. But he's he'll he'll always like hey if you can be cool you can you can do your thing. But and like he and they might fuck with you, but. You're gonna if you if you can be cool you can hang but if you're not cool then you gotta go right yeah this version of Deep was great like how how many times are we gonna say like an early mm-hmm. early version of Deep is exactly when you want to hear this song kind of in the same realm of when we did the Ann Arbor show that kind of descent into madness that they do at the end Dave is really taking this to have a moment for himself and. I'm not saying it's a bad thing at all. I think it's a moment for him to shine, but from other versions where it feels like the whole entire band is is descending into that madness, Dave does take center stage with this. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the drums are the, the driver behind that, and it's almost like the song is like kind of spiraling down or something. It's a really interesting way, and I... It'd be interesting to do, like, like say, it'd be interesting to do an Evolution episode on it and find out like when that stopped happening and we've been teasing yeah, that well, stuff a lot <laughs> i know i know but yeah deep is one like it's it's not one of my favorite songs but it's so much better live than than on this especially these you know 91 92 93 versions right right jeremy follows deep and you're getting three straight 10 songs after starting with the first two off of verses and it, it'll be kind of packaged together like that almost all the way through where it's like okay here's some 10 here's some verses here's some 10 and it's kind of going back and forth a little bit which i thought was interesting but this version of jeremy uh, look i thought the end was especially strong with ed those he 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 like it feels non-stop it feels like he's doing that more than he's ever done that before like he feels like he's having a moment he's kind of in a trance here and he he won't stop that like i i thought that i thought that that part in jeremy was especially great Jeff just losing his shit like he is just flailing around it looked like he had he was gonna like either fall off the stage or like he's just in the moment completely just throwing his base around yeah they they were into it did you see I 
kind of was thinking that Ed was was trying to puncture a hole in the stage at this point with the mic stand. I don't know if you noticed that, <laughs> but it did look like yeah, a would, point where wouldn't wouldn't have been surprised at all. Right, where he was slamming it down, and that usually doesn't come until the end of the set. This is five songs in, and already starting to do something like that. That's how you know that they're feeling a, a sort of way, and they're they're definitely feeling yeah. the, the energy of the crowd. And like and and to in contrast to like Earl and and Drop in the Park. This is the MTV hit now. Like, 1993 is prime Jeremy video. You know, like it, it just won the VMA. I'm kind of surprised that they they played this, to be honest with you, this early in the set. But it, it definitely not not a, a straight run through Jeremy. Like, not not a by the by the numbers. You know, going through the motions, Jeremy. This is like you said that the ending gets really really good, and you see them just going nuts at the end. Ed, really really good. Yep. Uh, another interaction with the crowd here. Now you guys, uh, you knew it was us playing, not the Red Red, right? You, you didn't get us up. I don't know what that's a reference to. Was there maybe that week something happened with Duran Duran on TV? Or it it might have like been something on something to the at the mtv awards i think that was their like comeback was that like ordinary world Maybe. era duran duran they had just made a comeback and can't say i'm a duran, yeah, duran been, historian right right but i know they they had made a comeback in the 90s with that song ordinary world that mm-hmm. was a huge hit and it might have been around this time it could have been something like something from the vmas or something he was referencing right 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 but we also hear a little bit of a uh, noodling from mike playing sweet home alabama in the background of this which was uh <laughs> Which is fun, that that but that kind of again goes to what I was saying before. Mike is definitely more approachable in this. He's not kind of sitting in loose. his corner yeah. and and playing right. He's definitely more looser being at home. The next package of songs, glorified G and daughter, and I thought to myself in this, I'm I'm thinking, you know, the stage setup and the way that things are in 1993, you would have to think that these songs would be packaged together just about every night that they do them on this tour because you have to think Jeff is playing the upright. Yeah. I looked at the numbers on it. I got the numbers. In 93, back-to-back songs 34 times, and in 94, back-to-back mm. songs 20 times. So anytime wow. that you see Glorified G and Daughter in the set, they're usually going to be right after. And, and I think the only other song that they had on Upright at the time was Indifference. And if that's happening at the end of sets, you don't really have to worry about something like that. So just an interesting little nugget to just kind of think about. And obviously this is out of album order here where you get Glorified G before Daughter. But just interesting little uh, tidbits for you guys. Yeah, it's kind of like we talk about with the Ed guitar sections. You kind of have to have the, the Jeff Upright bass sections, kind of a similar thing. He was also playing very, very close to the edge of the stage. I thought that that was in because usually now we're so used to him kind of being in the background with it, but he was up kind of on Ed's level. That was a little kind of crazy. Oh, he had he had to make room for Mike to run around behind him. Mike was <laughs> right. running all over the stage on this. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, the, another interaction. Ed comments in betweens and say, "Hey, look, it's Axl Rose." What is he referring to? I think it's another VMA thing, because wasn't that the one where where Axel had the confrontation with Kurt? Maybe. Yeah, that was de- that had to have been '93, right? I think so. 
He's just fucking with people. Right. He's, and he's just trolling. We call it trolling now. <laughs> right, yeah, he's right, just right, trolling. right, He's just trolling people. Yeah. Back, then, back then he was being a dick. Now he's being a troll. Right. right. Yeah, for right. sure. Um, I thought this was a really good performance of Daughter, actually. Uh, I'd like to talk about that yeah, for definitely. a second. Uh, cool little lick on the solo from Mike. Ed with really, really heavy vocals on the bridge, getting really high up there. something that we we kind of talk about in these these early shows that the song surges towards like you feel it kind of elevate and lift and they they can still do this now but not quite as as often as they did back then but we we've talked about it like in in these moments like if you go back to like berlin 96 red mosquito you know these kind of classic performances where you kind of feel them and it's it might be it might be stone it might be ed it might be dave it might be jack whoever's drumming it might be jeff but at some point in the song like it pushes to another level and the songs that do this are kind of the ones that become the the best live songs like porch they definitely do this all the time black does this even flow can do this you know if you go back to the newer songs like something like a lightning bolt can do this like the the way they do with corduroy now can do this do the evolution can do this given to fly present tense absolutely and like there's 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 a moment in the song when it's just from like the the way they play together you know they, they've been playing together so often they know each other and the synergy or like the connection that they have as a band where they can kind of become greater than the sum of their parts and like i noticed it in daughter like kind of right before you get to the tag where you feel the song kind of like push and those are the moments that you 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 get to something special and yeah that this was really really good and and the tags like some some interesting tags that we don't normally get to talk about i thought it was really really good yeah david bowie we get a little golden years here it sounded really good and this was a tag that they've only done twice in their history so like you said very rare Uh, a couple lines of Across the Universe, Nothing's Gonna Change My World for, for a line or two. Uh, the Bowie part's the standout, though. I thought that that was really, really good. I like both of them. I, I think the, the Bowie thing is nice, but when that 
when that when he crosses over into like no pun intended into across the universe, I think oh, it sounds really really good. And th- and that line is the one because like, you know Golden Years is not like a famous Bowie song. It's not Ziggy Stardust. It's not Starman. It's not like one of his hits. Mm-hmm. But then that that line from Across the Universe hits, and you're like, oh, like everybody knows that line. So it kind of like hammers it home a little bit. I thought it was really really good. Yeah, no, great performance all overall, and I, I agree with you on that that build up that daughter had in there. Absolutely, I don't think I don't think you quite get that in in current versions of Daughter. I think you were alluding to that before, but yeah. definitely at this time, this was a song that they were feeling, and it was a song that kind of got the the energy of the crowd up, and it kind of shot up after that for sure. Totally agree with you, one hundred percent. Ed shares a little bit of what he's drinking here. You know what, I'll let you guys in on a secret, because it's home and everything, you know? I'll let you in on a secret. It's just water. <laughs> it's just water. <laughs> it's been water this whole time. Do you think he's kept that little secret and he's kept that up? All, the, all that wine that he's been drinking on stage, allegedly drinking, has it been water the whole entire time? Has he not well, performed I, a miracle? Oh, I think he's a fucking liar. <laughs> no, you, he can't be trusted at this point. He's, he's again, he's just fucking with anyone. That's all you can do at that point. That's that's when you're surrounded by all of this, like, you know, bullshit for lack of a better word. All this other stuff that they're dealing with, you just you just start to fuck with people. Like that's just what they did. We just had the anniversary of the the Megan Jasper sub pop thing where. Someone from the who is the New York Times or something called Sub Pop and was like, "Hey, give us the the grunge lingo," and she just started making stuff up and they printed it. <laughs> like that's that's what this was. Hey, you know what? But if 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 you're gonna do it, you know, have be an artist and and yeah. put an art to it, and that's exactly like you know that's something that has never changed. He's always done a good job of just fucking around with the crowd and and making jokes and. And uh, this one definitely gets a good a good laugh out of them and gets you into two hits right away. Even Flow, State of Love and Trust, screeching Mike Solo off of Even Flow, very short but very electric. And Ed sings something bef- before going back into the chorus. Him and Jeff are playing off each other a little bit. I really couldn't tell what he was doing, but it was improving just a little something, I would assume, unless that's a deep, deep Fugazi cut that I'm not aware of. Yeah, I couldn't. I uh, yeah, I couldn't tell what it was. It, yeah, it just sounded like an improv. But yeah, during even flow, you get you get a moment like the camera finally pans out to the crowd. And yeah. Like you mentioned that this crowd is just going nuts. Like they're they're they look like a a wave about to crash. Like they're everyone is bouncing up and down. It looked looked really really like I'm I'm at a loss for words as to like the, to describe it. But it it must have been super intense to be there and. You know, and you mentioned like you know Jeff and Ed playing off each other. Stones doing a little shuffle, really, really like he's doing his stone thing. But yeah, even flow, uh, great, love it. The way that I saw the crowd, it looked like it was not a big venue at all. It right. looked like we were yeah. able to see the back of the crowd. It looks like you know th- that there was was an end to it. But it also looked like that there were about ten thousand heads that were all 
in that one camera shot. Oh, they were packed in, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, you know, that's that that was the crowd at the time, and, and look, to be playing in front of that kind of crowd in front of your hometown, something unique, something special, and, and uh, definitely, definitely worked for this. Uh, another in-between uh, just kind of interaction here, Stone introduces Smitty. Smitty, I believe, is now their tour manager. We're going to have to keep track of how many times we mentioned him. We mentioned him a couple of weeks ago, too, right? We did. I believe so, yeah. yeah. So, yep, yeah. Smitty. And it's it's just it's fun to see that Smitty is has been a part of this for so long. And now he's in Kelly Curtis's role. And, like, the band just always kind of promotes from within and always does 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 right by the people that have, have stuck with them for a long time. I mean, it's like a family. Yeah, it absolutely is. And they've, they've said that, too. And everybody that you talk to that surrounds himself with the band have, have all said that sort of thing. Uh, Mike is playing a little bit of Stone's Angie in the background of that. So that was kind of cool. Uh, and Ed calls Smitty Sealboy. Don't know what that's about, but <laughs> that's got to be some that's some deep, deep reference that we're never gonna get. Yep, and I'm sure Ed probably, if you brought that up to him now, he'd probably be like, "Oh yeah, oh okay, now I remember that." He probably does not call him Seal Boy anymore. <laughs> uh, State of Love and Trust, fast version, rips right through. Last week was slow. This is at a murderous pace. I think this is what we're more familiar with when we hear state of love and trust but uh you know there's a major difference between the way that dave is going to play the song and the way that jack is going to play the song following that little section we get black so this is again going back to where the versus packages are and the 10 packages glorified g and daughter even flow state alum trust that being a 92 song i consider that is being part of of more of the 10 centric songs than the versus centric yeah, songs black absolutely. black and then alive and then you kind of get forward and you get a, a couple more versus songs going forward so that's that's interesting and there's also like four versus songs in and you're at this part in the set like they're not playing a lot of the new stuff but they also know they have two more nights there and that you just hit the nail on the head. Yeah. yeah absolutely they they know they they've got time and they They've got room. Like the first night of these, you know, we always talk about how the last night is the special one, and that's where they break out the crazy stuff. But the first night is, yeah, you just you're you're keeping it pretty pretty tight to the vest, and you're you're keeping it pretty standard. Yeah, they're they're not going to do anything crazy on night one because they they're going to keep some stuff in their back pocket. Yep, absolutely. So black is right here, and I don't know if you noticed this, but I I've always loved. Jeff's little bass slide that always goes into yep. the first verse. Yep. He does it in the second verse on this too. And you don't really hear that. Yeah, you could really hear Jeff on this. I, he was the highlight for on this version of Black for me. It sounded really, really good. You know, I love hearing all, like you said, the little slides. And, and even during the solo, he's doing some really interesting stuff. It sounded great. Yeah, very furious sounding We Belong Together tag that finishes yep. the song off. It's almost abrupt. There wasn't anything too extra. P- stayed pretty concise. We kind of talked about that last week where it hadn't grown to that extended version where the crowd gets to sing along with them yet. It, you know, they find a time to do the solo and then kind of quick and get out of it. But also, We Belong Together tags are like an every other night kind of thing. So to get that is the extra element that you do want from black and stuff. (laughs) 
kind of felt like he wanted to do more and it was like it just the the band just wasn't they weren't in sync for that moment like right. they that they didn't have that like recognition of like oh let's keep on this and that's something you know the you you think like yeah you're gonna go in rehearsals like hey guys like if if you hear me do this then then keep it going you know because I I can get on a roll with this thing and yeah it's just one of those one of those moments that that changes the song and one of the the like one of the parts in its evolution. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and if we did a Black Evolution episode, it would probably need three episode, three full episodes to do because there's so much that we can talk about with that and so much that have, has gone into the song with over well over 500 versions, probably almost 600 versions at this point that you can really get deep down and, and figure out how they have changed this song as time went, went on. Stay, stay tuned for the 12-part Evolution episode on Black coming in 2022. Good God, no thanks. <laughs> I'll bow out for that. That's, that's, what, that's the line. All right, so Alive is, is falling off Black here, and I think we talked about it a couple weeks ago. Ann Arbor show we get the line again. Yep. It's cringeworthy to hear, but it's also, at the time, it's going to get the crowd riled up and nobody's really thinking about the, the misogynistic layers in that. Yep, didn't like it. Yeah. But you know what? There was really energetic version. Dave was really good on this. Mike was really good on this. Ed had some nonstop ch- uh, chanting, and the crowd was really fired up. And and like I said, this is um, this is ending your ten ten section right here. Your four of your biggest songs from this era are all in a row, and you're kind of kind of like, what are what's going to be saved for later? Right. Yeah. That that's that's another good point because the. The songs that finish out the set here, like, these are all the showstoppers. Like, they really didn't have anything left. Right, yeah, where they had to go to a song like Garden in their encore, you know? Yeah. That usually doesn't happen, so. Uh, All right, Blood is right here. Again, like, these are the, like you said, showstoppers. Blood being at this point in the set. Blood is awesome. Like, Blood is always going to be awesome from this time. It's the big, angry vocals from Ed. Mike is rolling around on the ground. It looked like he was, like, pretending <laughs> to have a seizure or something like that. What doing, was yeah. that? Doing some ACDC there a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, look, Blood is always going to be the one that stands out from the 1993. It's a song that, if it sticks around nowadays and, and they play it nowadays, it's not going to have that force behind it. But back then... This was the one that Ed waited for, you know. Even if he wasn't waiting the whole entire show, oh, he was he was ready for this one. Oh, especially like you said, especially coming off of the Rolling Stone cover and the and the time cover, this song had a little bit of extra bite behind it. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, and then we get a little bit of an improv right here. Touch me there. Touch me there. 
this improv has gone down in their their lore as obviously you, you listen to the chorus it's called don't touch me there and a lot of times in 93 they were doing these kind of improvs and they had you know when you think of like fuck me in the brain like they all kind of had names where you can mm-hmm. attach them to what what they were i think there was one in san diego from 93 too that was pretty notable i don't remember i don't quite remember which one it was but yeah like the the idea of this song it's you know I don't know if he's singing from a woman's perspective or I don't know if he's singing from a child's perspective because you can see this as being sort of a sexual assault situation or maybe this is reaction to pedophilia. Oh, it, it, it gets X-rated. I got. I want to think it's probably from the from the female perspective, you but think it could so? be either one. It could be either one. We know we you know we we don't know. We're, we can just speculate, but. It almost reminded me. It sounded a little bit, and um, and it's probably not not direct, but it almost sounded had kind of an immortality feel to it. What do you think? Huh. I didn't get that. I didn't get just that, in the sense but... of the just in the sense of the way that it, the way that it kind of like moved along, like the kind of the pace and the 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 mood of it, like the way not the not that the guitar riff is the same, but kind of had that same kind of like vibe and mood that immortality has right it was it was wavy it kind of yeah. it was right yeah a little a little dark a little dark i mean that's for sure if, if you're dealing with yeah. the subject matter yeah. it's gonna be dark uh yeah I, I i'm gonna have to listen to that again i'm gonna have to listen to that again and, and see if i can i can pick up on that because i was not i i didn't make that attachment i didn't so you you might be onto something yeah i mean it's again it's it's and I'm 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 not saying this was like an early version of immortality. Don't get me wrong, but just to, just in the sense of like that was maybe kind of where they were at with terms of like you know they're in the, they're in the process of writing a new album, and you know, that's maybe just kind of the mood that they were in. It was kind of a, a teaser for kind of the the attitude and the vibe of the new songs. Maybe I don't disagree with you at all. Uh, all right, this is this is a moment from this show. This is kind of going back to making fun of what the whole scene has become, making fun of what Seattle in general has become and what the rest of the country thinks of Seattle. So Ed mentions here, he says, we're glad you could all make it. Hope it wasn't too big a deal uh, to get in and just listen to music. I don't know about you, but we're up here and we've been thinking about life a lot lately. Then there's a fan that randomly just walks up onto the stage very casually. I don't know who invites him. Just guy just, okay, it's, it's my turn. I'm going to come on stage now. It, it doesn't like give him a single signal. He doesn't point to anybody in the crowd. Fan just walks up and Ed puts his arm around him and he says, this guy, see, jumped up. You want to tell me how he's been thinking about life. So uh, when you think about life, what do you think about? Sucks, man. See? Government bullshit. Yeah. That sums it up. Life sucks. It's the government. government bullshit. It's the government. Oh, no. I hate everything. I'm punk rock, right? Okay. The most typical Generation X uh, 1993 college yeah. or high school kid yeah. that you can think of. They jam a little bit while this moron is on stage and, and making a fool out of himself. And... Uh, yeah, like, 
the, the, the kind of jam that they do kind of sounded a little bit like banana, like the Bonanza theme. That's what I, I was <laughs> thinking of that. A little bit of rawhide, yeah. Yeah, right. So you know this this they they play dress up with him. Ed puts a corduroy jacket on him, and uh, they give him his hat. And Stone Grunge says, guy, you look, look, like look at Grunge guy. guy. Right. And then you hear somebody say, "Throw a shoe at him." That's a direct reference to Indio. That has been mm-hmm. passed around and obviously been reported on. And that was just over a month before this happened and that's going to come into play in just a second hang on to that thought so they send the guy diving into the crowd and and back into you know into the world to to go worry about government bullshit and and sex and and whatever he he did at that time so he's gone right when he dives into the crowd they go one two three four perfect transition into porch and that was just a lot of fun. That was that was a fun moment. They don't usually have those kind of interactions when you when you think of those interactions nowadays. Every now and again, they'll shave somebody's dreads or something like that, but it doesn't usually happen. Yeah, usually the those people are are escorted off very quickly. Right. This is a different time though. They were feeling yeah. good. They were, they were they were in a good moment. They were at their in their hometown again. That's where this leads to. But at least from my perspective, here's where things start to change a little bit. So the bridge, they get a little bit of strobe light going off. This is the first time you really feel like a different lighting effect. I don't know if you got that at all from this, but I didn't really notice anything from, you know, the, the, the lighting show aspect. But Ed is is screaming something into the mic. That whole part where this is going on, it's a blistering speed last for about two minutes and that part is fantastic. taking whatever energy they were working off of and they were feeding off of it and that felt like it lasted for about two minutes or so yeah i think there's a little there's almost a little drum solo in there yeah they, they get to kind of all different levels with that it's yeah, uh yeah. it's good and and here's where you know here's where my concern comes in so they're about to break back into the song 
and Ed is kind of doing a little bit. He's singing something into the mic, just whatever he does to, to kind of get himself back in the porch. And he gets directly in the face. It's either a shoe, it's a water bottle, whatever it is, it smacks him dead on pretty hard. You hear it. I'm going to let you listen to it right here because you audibly hear it. So whatever that was, that was pretty thick, that was pretty heavy. It doesn't really react to it like the rest of the crowd does. The rest of the crowd, there's kind of a collective like, oh my god, that, what the hell just happened? And Ed just kind of continues to do his little chance. He's saying something along the lines of, I love you, I love you. Like, there's not, not really a react. He's acting like it doesn't exist. Yeah, I mean, what, what else can you? Because, you know, if you if you react to it, then then you've let the crowd win, right? Yeah, he's, right. he's not going to let them do that. Right, but that's that's kind of, in a way, different from, you know, the, the shoe the shoeless situation right. that happened where he was yeah. he was yelling at the crowd and then you know did the whole thing and and turned turned it into Drink, something good. drinking from the shoe and all that yeah Ex- exactly so here you know and, and maybe it's different because during indio maybe it was because that wasn't in the middle of a song and that was kind of in between things sort of yeah i'm not sure but yeah anyway you know they finish off the song they hold off for the perfect moment and Ed screams back into the mic and it's a showstopper. So many great little moments come from the actual song itself. Mike is running around shirtless. It looks like Mike crowd surfs. I couldn't tell. I was pretty sure that that was Mike, but I also wasn't sure if another fan snuck onto the stage and, and, and got out there. But, uh, Mike is, uh, Mike is definitely having a night. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, it's, you know, it's it's VHS quality. We you can't be hundred percent sure who it was. So, yeah, we we don't know. But oh yeah, he's he's all over the place on this. Right, right. So all right, that uh, that takes us into the encore, and uh, we're gonna get into that. We're gonna get into that in just a second. Let's uh, pause for station identification and uh, talk to you a little bit about what we're doing over at Patreon. We got some stuff going on. Last week we released our. A Horizon Leg profile episode with Deborah McMurtry. That's really good. And very soon, we're going to end up getting to it. We're going to get to our uh, present tense evolution episode. Yep. So we're going to keep putting that out there. And uh, you know what? I'll give you. I'll give you the horn here. Just let everybody know what's going on on Patreon. How they can. How they can help the show. And uh, and what tiers there are that 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 they they can join if they wish to. Yeah, you can go to patreon.com slash live on four legs or the easiest way to do is just get the Patreon app, search for live on four legs and we show up right there and it tr- lets you track everything. You know, we, we have the we have three different ways you can tr- contribute to the show. Uh, if, if you if you just want to donate one dollar a month, you get access to all the extra bonus content that we do. You know, we, we kind of reference these evolution episodes and things during the show that those are available for you on Patreon. We do our bridge school series that we're kind of going to be wrapping up here in the next few months over there. We've got the setlist drafts, one Devo episodes, ni- ninety one shows too. Let's get some more oh, yeah. ninety one. Absolutely. Yep. 
Yep, these those little those little short set lists, seven eight songs from nineteen ninety one that it might not justify a full episode and like a full hour hour and a half, but we can knock those out on Patreon for people. And yeah, so for one dollar a month, you get access to all of that. You become a bonus leg. For five dollars a month, the Giggle Leg tier, you can actually uh, suggest a show for us to cover. If there's a show that maybe you've been to that you feel hasn't gotten enough attention, or if there's just your your favorite bootleg that you want us to talk about. Uh, you can that that's the tier for you. You you be able to request a uh, show, come on the show, and then we have our Horizon Leg tier for the people that are interested in supporting the uh, the Concertpedia project that we're doing. Uh, that's there for ten dollars a month. You get access to everything, and those are the people like like Deb came on and and got her own profile episode. You can come on and get one of those, and uh, yeah, it's just a lot of fun. We we thank all our patrons from from one dollar to ten dollars to anything in between. We we're just we're just beyond you know grateful for for everyone who chooses to contribute to the show. It means a lot. And a big shout out to our newest patron, Claire O'Leary, who has joined in the past week. We thank Claire. Thanks, Claire. Yeah. And a shout out to, goes out to Molly Clayton, who we just kind of got introduced to. And uh, she's been one of our patrons for about a month or so. And she uh, sent us a, ni- a nice message saying she was really enjoying the content over there. So oh, thank great. you so much, Molly. Great. And uh, thanks for being a part of this. And if you're having trouble, if you're on Patreon, if you're having trouble with accessing episodes right now please get in contact with us it's been an issue uh but there have been people that have had some some issues so if if you uh want to continue to listen to the episodes just reach out to us and we'll we'll help you with it we'll we'll get you in the right direction um a little self-promotion from me here uh when this comes out it'll already have had debuted but i have this week I am part of the Wishlist series on Sirius XM Radio, and I was very excited to do that. So I believe if you're listening to this on Wednesday, I believe that on Thursday, it's going to be airing again at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and Sunday at noon Eastern Time. So um, if you want to check it out, like, please do. It's different from what we've done on the regular show, I make it a little bit more personal, and that's something that we haven't gotten into in a while because we covered a lot of the really personal stuff very early on. So uh, I get a little bit into some of the personal performances that really stuck out to me over the course of uh, my show going, and uh, it was just really fun to do. And and you know, I, I have to give a big shout out to Pearl Jam Radio here because uh, they were nice enough to let me give a plug for, for the podcast to, to us is, uh, that, that was very cool. So we thank them for that. And, uh, yeah, if you want to check it out, please do. Hopefully we can get a recording of that and maybe post it to Patreon at some point. So that, that yeah, should yeah. be cool. Is there anything else that we'd like to promote? Is there anything else that's going on? I think we're, 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 we're pushing for, uh, for a hundred patrons, right? We got something we still special are. going on if we get to a hundred. Yeah. And, uh, we kind of, we had a little bit of a setback sometimes at the beginning of the month, you kind of lose some patrons because of credit card issues and, and, and stuff like that. So we're kind of, we, it's been fluctuating a little bit, but let's say we're about 15 away from our goal and our goal being a hundred. And once we hit a hundred, and this is a sell for Patreon, you guys, once we hit a hundred, we will throw a massive party at the size of the Christmas party that we did. And maybe we'll have some special stuff that we can, we can do and we can bring on some more special guests to this party as well. Um, but that's all, that's all up to you guys. 
that's if you want it. And I'm not putting a cap date on it, but I'm just letting you guys know I got an infant that's coming in July. I would love for it to happen before July. Just a hint, hint. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But, you know, if it happens before July, the better. Yep, at patreon.com slash live on four legs. That's the number four. Or uh, go to that Patreon app and uh, search for it. Yep. So, all right, cool. Let's hop back into the show, which, you know, this is so not on, wasn't on anybody's radar at all, that if you go to Five Horizons and do the read-up on it, it doesn't even have the Encore separated for this. It didn't have the Encore separated on Live Footsteps either. That wasn't or one. Stat Tracker too. yeah. Yeah, it just straight through has yep. 18, 19 songs, whatever it is. So uh, if our, contribu- our, our contribution to those <laughs> sites could be to you know slip in where the Encores are, yeah, sure, great. So Ed is, this is the one song that Ed's playing on guitar at this point. And obviously there's going to be another song that falls right up. So like we were talking about before, the glorified G and daughter back to back is where Jeff is going to play his upright. This is where Ed's going to have his guitar out. And this is where things get a little insane. And just like where Ed gets hit in the face, a crowd member makes his way onto the stage and just somersaults into the crowd and it causes the band to stop before they really got into the song. No, there was a sense of uncomfortable. It didn't feel like afterwards. They they just kept quiet for a while. And the energy that they had from the beginning of the show did not transfer to the at this point. It seemed like they were just like, okay, fuck it. Let's just get through this. Hmm. That's I how thought, I, mean, I saw I thought it. The, I thought they kind of made the best of it. You know, it kind of turns into that kind of spinal tap jazz odyssey well thing yeah that they do it almost like a little bit of that free jazz that they did in 2003 and then they and then they restart and it's fine yeah but that's what after after that once they get into the actual songs it feels like they don't have that juice you're not getting mike running around in circles you're not getting jeff going back and forth you're not getting a lot of vicious screaming points from ed the only one that's staying energetic really is dave yeah, and I think it it was kind of a the encore is kind of a little moody, which is weird after the main set that you just went through. And you mentioned too, you you, you mentioned you know this is kind of the Ed guitar section. There was no Ed guitar section in the in the main set. You know, none none of those none of those verses songs that he that he plays on made it in there, and that was a little bit weird. But yeah, I think it's just I think it's just a function of the of the set list, like they. They used all their all their showstopper songs, all those energetic songs up. You they, think it's that instead of the fan running onto the stage and, and jumping back into the crowd? I felt they were I don't know if I don't know if they were shaken I mean, I think, up after that. They I think it just didn't I think that's feel such the a same. commonplace occurrence. I don't think that would I don't think that would throw them like that. But they stopped the they they stopped the song. They didn't it took them a while to get back into it. Like that it just 
it didn't feel normal for them. It didn't feel hmm. that. I, I hmm. you know, from Ed getting hit in the face before in porch, I think it just kind of all unraveled. And, and at that point they were just like, okay, let's play. Let's get through this night. Hmm. Okay. Maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just me. It just, it didn't seem like they brought the same energy into the encore. I mean, if, if you were there, send us an email live on four legs podcast well, at gmail.com. Cause we would love to know Yeah, what uh, you thought. Of course. Yeah, for sure. But that's, I don't think anybody from that era is going to notice something like that. I think they're going to be like, they rock the whole way through. I think it's Maybe. one of those things where you kind of watch it and see how everything unraveled from a different perspective and that's where you get that. I don't I don't know if anybody's going to sense that coming from the crowd. But I could be wrong. I mean, it's hard to tell. Like we're we're judging this based on a VHS recording from nearly 30 years ago, like yeah, I mean it's it we just don't know. And yeah, but you you know, you you could be right. And that's a situation where the person that's going to know that is going to be somebody that's not going to answer something that specific. True. True. So it's all speculation. It goes back to just how are we going to speculate this and kind of what we took from it. So it's what I took and, you know, they get back into the song and it kind of, you know, rear mirror finishes good. It sounds fine. You know, they, they, the, finally the shades are raised. Like that was a good little part in that. Um, but also like it, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't quite match what they did in the main set. It's fine. It's fine, but there was a lot more. There was a lot more consistency. There was a lot more energy coming from that. So, Mike, after this, mentions he says, "Hey, there's Alan Hale, and we've been lost on a cruise for so long, and he's the skipper." What the fuck is Mike talking about? Gilligan's Island, man. I know what he's talking, but like, yeah, why is yeah. he even saying that? Why is he bringing know. it up? I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a weird reference to make after all the the stuff that's been said and it's it doesn't really land i think there was a collective like huh right from the from the crowd yeah it was a strange moment all right uh ed keeps the guitar out and they play one of the earliest vitalogy songs uh that got intertwined in the live set and i believe they recorded a demo for this in the versus sessions right like this was yeah they did yeah, and this was used at the Slim Show, so this was very early on one of the songs that they were highly considering for the album, but obviously made uh, Vitalogy, and Whipping is the song, and 18 times they played it up until this point, so they're favoring it, and they're bringing it out, and it's kind of one of those, they're very few fan service kind of songs at this point, so you have to think that this is one that obviously the crowd's not going to know, but when it comes to a later date, you know, those fans that are still fans to this date can say, like, I, I saw Whipping before Vitalogy came out. It's still kind of, you know, it's still got some significance to it. And most of the energy, again, is, is coming from Dave, and the rest of the band seems fine, but it was, I think, maybe if it were a little bit earlier in the night, it would have been, it would have had that more fast, vicious, you know, everybody running on the stage, and it just kind of, it kind of felt, you know, uh, kind of felt stable yeah i thought it, it picked up at the end i thought but yeah i i tend to agree so yeah early version of, i don't think this is a good version of whipping to to look into the early versions in 93 and say like this is 
how this song is transformed. I think this is a completely different situation, scenario. There are other versions that I would love to go back and listen to the song and really see what they were doing on it and how it developed. I don't think this is a good example of that. And again, it's it's placed weirdly. You know, they, you know, the, the version you know that we all heard was was Atlanta a few months later, where it's really early. This is the second I song think, in the set, right? Second or third. Third, yeah, and that is, I think that. You know, you you can make the argument that this set list is not one of Ed's best constructions. Like we talked about, all you you wasted all your showstopper songs in the main set, so they don't have anything really to go to here. Right. You know, Rearview Mirror hadn't really become that yet. So yeah, there there's an argument to be made that like, you know, what are you gonna play? And, and considering you know they they've still got two nights left they're still saving some, some special things for the next two nights it's almost like this was kind of an afterthought encore construction maybe right right i i don't think i i, I would assume that they probably had rearview mirror and whipping picked out i don't know if garden they probably were like okay what's one that we hadn't haven't played in this show yet okay right. we haven't played garden yet let's use it it doesn't feel like your encore type song it's uh and again i think we brought up in 92 they were playing very uh heavier versions of garden you know where mike was getting more of a moment to kind of finger tap and and be more like eddie van halen this was this was more the subdued and kind of the building versions of garden that really get you there when that last chorus kind of ramps up and it didn't have that same you know headbanging vibe to it. it it's fine it's it's very good it's actually very good but in the encore, I think it wasn't this. If it was played mid-set, kind of after maybe one of the verses sections after Daughter or something like that, it would have hit a little bit better. But, you know, at least <laughs> you get in this, like, Ed, Jeff, and Stone all kind of huddling together and, and yeah, you get a nice little burst at the yeah. end. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and Mike at the end, again, just going nuts. He kind of, like, he kind of recaptures some of that early, early set feeling. I thought it was... I thought it was I thought it was cool. I didn't I didn't mind Garden here. You know, we can like I said, we can you can you can talk about the construction and maybe it's Garden's definitely not one of those showstopper songs that you expect late in a set like this, but I didn't think it was bad. Yeah, no, it wasn't it wasn't bad at all. I, I just don't think, you know, to go from whipping to garden to leash to end your show is is not I there I don't think those three songs have ever been played in that order before or after. Like that's a very weird maybe way yeah. to kind of construct things. So Ed talks to Keith here, who is the lighting guy, and he wants to see the faces of the crowd. He asks him how did we sound tonight, and says it's nice to know that we're gonna sleep in our own beds. But before I go home, I'm gonna go to the Vogue and watch a band called Zeke. You know that that kind of goes back to like Ed just not giving a fuck about that kind of thing and. You know, he wants his privacy, but he's also doing shit like self-pollution radio, giving out his, his phone number. He's letting people, you know, into his life and kind of giving them the way that they can kind of intrude on him instead of, you know, just being left alone. He, it feels like he wants to be left alone, but he, I don't know, he, he does this stuff often in this era and it, yeah. it's very perplexing. Yeah, I think it, he's just trying to make a connection. Like you, you they they're a band that wants to make that connection with their fans. And I don't even think he maybe realized 
how many people were on the other end of that. Right. You know, because you just can't even imagine. Like, there, oh, there's a million people listening to you on the radio. Like, how do you even, you sold, you sold, like we said, you sold a million albums in one week. How do you even process that? Like, what does that even look like? Who are those people? Like, we're, we're just a band. Like, we just connect with, we play for people and we do our thing. And like, you can't even imagine a million people, especially, you know, 30 years ago before the internet. Like, now we're all connected and all. Like, and I'm not going to take this into that tangent, but it was, it's just a different time. And he loves music and he wants to make that connection with the fans over the music. And, I think it's a little bit, you can call it naive, you can call it whatever, but I just I just think he really likes making connections with people about music and didn't really realize how how many people or how crazy it would get on the other end. Yeah, I, I, I think they they were behind while everybody was so quick to move forward on them and so quick to kind of anoint them to be the band of this era. They... Personally, like we were saying before, they weren't there yet. They wanted to gradually get there. And, you know, they're used to, especially hometown, small clubs playing in front of 300 people at the off-ramp. They're not too far off from that. Almost two years before that, they were doing those shows consistently. And at those shows where you're playing in front of those kind of people and saying, hey, we're going to go here next, like... How many people are you going to get that follow? Not all 300. You're going to get maybe, if you're lucky, you get 20 people that follow yeah. and and great. It's not going to be that big of a deal because people will leave you alone. But at an event like this, feels like you are you might set yourself up for a little bit of issue, but we never heard anything from that. It's just, it's one right. of those things that and, he just And again, he's, he's trying to give, he's trying to give a, another Seattle band that's, that's not in the spotlight. Yeah. That's not going to get on MTV. He's trying to give them a shout out. And, you know, maybe he did go, maybe he didn't, you know, may, or he, he maybe get, went in the back and just hung out backstage with them. And like, that's probably the case. Yeah. So like maybe he, you know, like that's the thing, you know, we go back to hype and like, there's so many bands that like he's always felt that responsibility. Like now talk about other bands. You've already talked about us right. where people already know who we are. Let's go find some other cool bands. So yeah, I think that that's part of it too. He's, he's just, he's just trying to promote, you know, his friends and some other, some of just a band that he likes. He just wants people to go see him. Yep. Yeah. I think you, I think you're on the mark with that for sure. This song's called drop and loose, drop and loose, go like a fucking for the week because we haven't covered Leash in a very long time. Yeah. And it's a 93 version of Leash, which is around where the time you you want it the most, but you have to bring up a little bit. This is a very good version. I'm I'm not going to undercut that at all, but, you know, this was only played 
21 times in 93 as opposed to the 50, 53 that they played it in 92. They were sort of trying to transition off of that. The leash was not, not really in their favor and it kind of was more of a 10 era song than it was a versus era song. Yep. There's, it might have been, like you said, it might have been even the first song that they wrote after 10 was released. Like the first bunch of that the first of that new batch of songs right and yeah I, I, maybe they were a little burned out on maybe they weren't feeling the energy of it you know they're transitioning you know you, you get one vitality song here you get a couple more vitality songs the next night and then you get into that spring 94 tour and it's it's you know you're getting debuts of vitality songs every night almost and yeah i think they were just kind of moving on from it and like a, a, a you know famously everybody knows 95 they just stopped playing it yeah, and you know some of that has to do with Jack, and some of that has to do with yeah. the maturing process of the band, yep. and yep. saying like, okay, well that's a song that really, you know, kind of speaks to us and and where we were at the time in kind of a more youthful stage. But in '95, you're like, okay, let's hit on "Not for You," which is kind of a more definitive version of that. Let's hit on "Last Exit," which is kind of speaking to how we're feeling at the time. They always wanted to be transparent with that, and that's why Leash and Rats and some of those other songs weren't really quite fitting in once once they moved forward. But of course, when when they got back to, you know, being a veteran band and, you know, being this like 20-year uh history kind of band, they can bring stuff like that back every now and again because they can get a little bit of the nostalgia factor back from it. So that's where, you know, you you'll get every now and again you'll get a leash thrown in and I think they played leash at the Safeco show. So, you know, yeah. it's still a special song and I think people hold it in, in very high regard because obviously oh, there's I'm a, raising my hand. Yeah, absolutely. Right. There's a lot of people that hold up the signs and you all know what the signs are. But uh yeah, I thought this was a great version. I did What'd you think of this? Yeah, I mean, I, oh, I just, I just love that guitar intro. It just, it gives me chills every time. It's such a cool way to start a song like this, and it's, it's one of those like it's got that early kind of groove to it where it's the song kind of like moves and you know bobs up and down, and it, yeah, and we you know give give Dave credit that this is a this is a good Dave show. So he he was he was on the ball on this. Yeah. I, I I agree, and you know it's a, it's a good version, but it also it didn't feel like it felt like they were definitely they needed to play one more song after this. It didn't feel like this was gonna be the set ender or should have been the set ender. Right. Yeah. It leash is not. It's it's not in that showstopper category. Right, and that's that's where like you kind of need to hold a song like Porch or Blood for yeah. this moment, yeah. and they kind of they they used up that card early on. And I don't know if they did leash at the other two shows at all, but that could have been that one moment for it for sure. So yeah, there's, there's, they, they leave the stage and that's another thing, you know, nobody ever mentioned that there was an encore too. So here we are, we're, we're doing our detective work and uh, it, it, it's sort of quiet. There's no lights on, nobody's jumping on stage and it just, man, it's depressing. It's just, it taps into the identity of the song and what the song is and how it's supposed to feel and maybe how Ed was feeling at the time and at a certain time. Like, it, it really taps into all of that. And he kind of, you know, there's no playing off the crowd, singing along with them. It's just it just getting, getting it in and getting it over with. Um, 
but also like you think going back to those showstoppers you know most of most bands out there will end a set with their most intense song and kind of leave them all off happy they they do the opposite and that's kind of always been their game yeah and it'd be interesting to you know and sometimes we we talk about these these ways that they book in these shows we talked about at the beginning how go kind of opens a certain type of song where you kind of know what you're going to be in for and indifference is the same way like there there are some sets and like you know led better had only been you know debuted a, a month before this and it wasn't quite there yet so you, you know that that wasn't quite what it was but yeah indifference is like it's it's maybe kind of like um just a moody just a moody night and like a night one where yeah like maybe things didn't go perfectly at the show like they'd hoped and they, they've got two more nights and you know, I, I, I got to even think this maybe wasn't even on a set list. It's just kind of like they go on after leash and it's like, yeah, I kind of feel an indifference tonight. Well, you know, let, let's just go. And it's just a spotlight. Like you mentioned, the, the room is dark except for one little spotlight. And uh, yeah, just just really moody and vibey and like not really what we're what we're used to now. But I, I you know, give me give me an early indifference. I, I love it. I, I you know, I kind of it's it's a it's a welcome change from kind of like what we you know, it's, it's, this is not bread and butter. This is not the party atmosphere. This is kind of like thing, things were a little tense. Things were a little on edge. I, you know, it's 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 cool. Uh, I, I like these kind of shows. Right. Better was not even in sets, let alone yeah. closing shows at the time. So this was this was pretty, pretty common occurrence to happen here. If it's not indifference that's closing a set, I guess it's usually porch at this right. point. Right. Um, I don't even know what else could have closed a set. Maybe, maybe River Mirror or something. A couple. Of times, they were doing blood. I think they, blood, they were blood. 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 Yeah. yeah, that's that's a good one too. Yeah, but that's that's how you get it to finish off this one, and uh, that that's that's that show. And there's a lot going on there. But let's pick three moments that we think stand out from this one. Yeah. So this is this is hard because a lot of the a lot of the, I'm gonna go. You know, this is going off script a little bit. I'm gonna say you know, all of kind of the Ed trolling moments, like the Axl Rose and the most popular band in the world and, oh, better than on MTV, you know, that that though, that was kind of kind of set the tone for this. So that's that's my number three is just all of Ed's little trolling moments. Um, my number two is uh, Black. The, we talked about how great Jeff was in that. Uh, great to hear in the little bit of We Belong Together. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm on a big Black kick right now. So um, that that's my number two. And my number one's Daughter. Like I talked about the way it surged. I thought it was a really cool moment. The two really good tags that we don't usually get to talk about golden years across the universe. thought it, it hit really well. Yeah. I'm going to daughter is going to be part of mine. I think daughter is either one or two as well. I think that was definitely a highlight from this show. Uh, I'm going to go with the improv that they did. Don't touch me there. I thought that that was very interesting okay. the way that it yeah. kind of all came about and their improvs at the time, they sort of, they kind of transition off the song as almost it's like a tag off of the song and there's no, there's no break in between. They just kind of keep going and they keep going into something almost like maybe they, the synergy on stage where they're, they're feeling like, okay, let's not stop this. Maybe it's not on the set list. Like let's just do something, but they're all on the same page. And that, that's, that was nice to hear. So there's that, I would say everything up until Ed getting hit in the face and porch was really, really good. 
and unfortunately, I don't want to make Porch a moment because it's just that's where things kind of all unraveled. But everything that happened before that was so good that it's hard to kind of not bring that up. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. And, and I guess everything else from Porch was at least notable. So I'll throw that in there. And, and then Daughter. Yeah, I thought Daughter was definitely a big highlight from this. With the same tags that you were talking about before, yeah. and you yeah. know, building to the song, and yeah, this is this is gonna be a weird one to rate. What are how are you uh, how are you going about it? What are you gonna do? How what are you gonna rate it? Yeah, I mean, I and you you think that you know when you think of classic Pearl Jam shows like this one doesn't really get talked about a lot. You know, the the next night the the Vault Night is is a big one, and obviously the last night is is special for you know things we'll get into when we get to that one, but. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. Yeah, I I can't put it low because it's like it's it's great to listen to. It's 1993. I, it's not a bad show. Um, I'm gonna give it seven and a half. I'm gonna kind of stick to, kind of. I'm gonna kind of ride both both edges of the rail there. I'm gonna go seven and a half. I'm really I'm on the fence with this man. I you know, seven is usually my bar. If you can pass seven, then it was enjoyable and it was enjoyable for me up until the point where everything just kind of felt like it unraveled. Um, and again, like, like I said before, I could be kind of in my own, uh, on my own Island on that. I could, it could just be me, but it felt, I don't know that, that whole, that whole stuff just didn't sit, sit well with me with, with, I, and it wasn't even a big deal. It was just a guy running on stage and you know doing a a backflip into the crowd and it's not a big deal it's just that the reaction to it and how they played off of it and what came afterwards just did not correlate to what they were doing earlier and it felt like that was an immediate reaction to to what had happened so from that aspect that took me a little bit out of the show i didn't like that i got hit in the face i thought that that was i just don't like when things get thrown on stage uh at all i'm just very much against that um i think it's under seven i think it's a six and a half uh and i only i say that just because just you know how it made me feel personally you know i don't think i'm gonna go back to this anytime soon although i i enjoyed a lot of the performance from earlier in the set i i just I don't think it hits that same stratosphere that most of these 93 shows seem to, to, to come upon. And, and again, maybe I'm overthinking it, but it, it didn't sit well with me. That's fair. You have your own reaction to it. Yeah. That's yeah. And look, that that's not the first time that shit like that, that has happened on a Pearl Jam song, but just their reaction to that and me playing off the, the reaction, that's that's just how that's just how I'm taking it. So all right, so you know, that was another in the hometown Seattle series that we're doing. It'll be continuing all year, I believe. In the next month, we mentioned the more theater show. I believe that's the next one on the docket for that. And there are actually two. We're gonna be doing both, and we'll let you know how we're gonna be doing that when we get to that. But we're not getting to that just yet. Next week, we are going to get to a state we haven't done yet. And that is Hawaii. And there 
history in Hawaii is very interesting, obviously, because they, they now have a, a band member uh, that is from Hawaii and Ed has a good relationship with, you know, the, the state and, and has residents down, down there. Uh, but they have a very interesting history with, 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 with the area too. And I think we're going to get into that a little bit and we're going to do the 2006 show, which is a great show, very popular. And we can't do a show like that without our good friend, Matt Helbig, who is going to come back and help us cover that show. We're very excited to have him back as always, you know, he's, he's an OG for this show. So anytime he can come back and contribute is always a good time. And this one, we were going to do this a while ago and it was kind of going to be billed as a, a John versus Matt <laughs> uh, battle Royale, but yeah, I, I don't yeah. think we're quite there on this one. Well, yeah, it's going to be interesting because the last time Matt was on, we did, we did Wrigley, Night two, 2016, yeah. and that's that's an all timer. Like we, I think we agreed too much on that episode for my liking. So <laughs> I think this this time it, it might get a little contentious. Well, there's a lot of Matt. There's a lot of Matt favorites at this show. There's obviously Big Wave, Crazy Mary, which he's a big fan of, and then there's the other side of the equation where there's a lot of Matt just cringeworthy moments like Last Kiss, and I can't remember the the full set list off the top of my head right now, yeah, but I know yeah. there's a lot of things that are going to be contentious. Maybe I'll sit back and be a referee for this one, but it should be entertaining. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have some fun. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So. Stay tuned to that. Uh, as always, if you aren't subscribed to the show on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you subscribe to your podcast, subscribe and uh, definitely get the updates for this. We're on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Pearl Jam Podcast Community Group. Send us send a request to get in the group and we will accept you and get in on all the conversations we've been doing. March has been Album of the Day Challenge and that's been interesting going back and listening to a bunch of album requests that a, a lot of listeners have put in and and we've been having a lot of fun with that. So, uh, and yeah, just kind of getting in on it, getting in on what we're doing in this community. Twitter, and uh on discord as well so a lot of things going on clubhouse too <laughs> like we we've just been doing a whole lot of shit lately so uh if you're interested get in on that we'd be happy to have you in and obviously over on patreon as well and i got nothing else to say so this is how we're going to end it like we usually do this may be the end we're here but not for much longer and although we may be parting ways i miss you already i miss you always Another one from the Seattle series is in the books, and we'll be back next week down in Hawaii, 2006. See you then. The most popular band in the world. Good night.